You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Guys, good morning. Uh, Happy New Year. I don't know if I can still say that. I don't know how long you get to still say that, but um, I just, I feel excited for all God is going to release and deposit in us in this year. And um, I'm starting a new series today called Investing. But before I jump in, I just wanted to share something. I don't know if you've noticed, I've kind of noticed that church leaders, not just locally, often nationally, but this year I've particularly noticed it. I don't know why, just this year, all around the world, um, so many church leaders seem to have a word for the year. Have you noticed that? Whether like we believe God is going to do this and we're going to press in for this this year. Now, obviously, we share a, a fair bit in the vision talk. I'd encourage you to prioritize being here, invite people. It's always a great Sunday this year. It will hopefully be the 17th of March. Um, be there. It'll be a special day. But I've, I've, I've just seen these words people have been saying, like, this is a year of, like, it's going to be a year of generosity, or it's going to be a year of, like, faith and risk, or this is going to be a year of sacrifice. And so often we find... Um, we find something powerful in a picture or something that really resonates in those moments. And I've, I've tried to resist it, but I just want to give you a word if I can. And it is in no way as profound as many of those that I've just mentioned. But my word I've, I felt was significant is this, and it's windscreen wipers. And uh, <coughs> I said it wasn't quite as significant. Um, But the other week, Steph was away doing some training and she was going away for a week and um, obviously the the kids were going to miss her and I would say they were pretty fragile as she was about to leave. And um, so as as she's preparing to go and like loading stuff into the car, they're getting a bit teary, which is kind of code word for like absolute meltdown. And um, just as she's about to go, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, I was like, you just need to go. Like, we, we just need to rip the plaster on, get, get over it. There's going to be some tears. I'll do the, like, let's have ice cream, even though it's bedtime. Like, we're just going to distract you out of it. And uh, anyway, she, she goes, and uh, not even half a minute later, the doorbell goes. Who can that be? Amazon, who is it? guess who's back and uh, Steph's back and uh, the windscreen wipers on the car don't work and it's hammering it down with rain and I google like the the fuse layout for that particular car and I try and work it out and um, I've I've taken every single fuse out because how else do you do it I don't because I couldn't find the diagram I'm like take them all out check everyone put them all back every fuse is fine Anyway, Steph goes in the other car and uh, we crack on with ice cream with the added distraction of now waiting for the AA guy. And um, just want to mention this, the AA guy comes and he does exactly the same as I did. That actually adds nothing to the story, but I just wanted to mention that. But he he had this little gadget thing that... um, kind of senses whether or not the fuse is broken. I didn't have one of them, but who needs one of them? But anyway, he's, he's not pulled them all out, but he's basically said, oh, this is really odd. Every fuse is fine. I can't explain it, actually. I've not seen this problem before. Anyway, we, we, we chat for a little bit, and he's like, I'm not actually sure now what we do, because every fuse is fine, and that's what it'd normally be. And then randomly, the windscreen wipers start working, and he says, oh, that's just a bit unexplainable. 
Um, that doesn't happen and it's a bit odd, but at least it works and you can use it. And uh, I just want to give you a wider picture. I would say that is one of a catalogue of maybe 30 similar things over the last few weeks, which is one of maybe 100 or so things similar over the last few years. And while Steph was away with the other car, which has never broken down once, she had two similar problems, which both meant she needed the AA out. And both of them were things that turned out to not be things, but they were things, if that makes sense. And now you're all looking at me like I'm slightly mad and a bit confused because it is actually so bizarre. So I sent a good friend of mine a voice message and I said, mate, this is absolutely ridiculous. In my head, I'm telling myself to shut up and get a grip. It is windscreen wipers. But there is just something in me that questions why this kind of stuff happens to us and all of the time but I'm still telling myself, shut up, it's windscreen wipers, get a grip. And honestly, I do want to say it is just windscreen wipers, and I'm not trying to overplay it or overstate it, but I do want to heighten our awareness to something that often can be quite subtle, but actually it's not that subtle. But when you have a number of things, they wear you down, and there is a resistance to the thing that you're trying to do. And what that does is it often dilutes you and it distracts you from all that we're called to. And so I deliberately give you the picture of windscreen wipers because I think many things like that will happen over this coming year. Not on that low level significance, but there will be health challenges, there will be re relational tensions and collisions, there will be breaking appliances, there will be house sales that are just delayed and delayed and delayed, there will be house renovation projects that seem to drag and get stupidly complex, there will be employment obstacles, there will be dynamics with neighbours, there will be many, many, many things. There have been, there are, and there will be. The carol service that we did at the la end of last year, for those of you that were here, was absolutely phenomenal. The amount of people that got invited and exposed to something of Jesus for the first time, and I celebrate that. I celebrate as well that that whole event was planned and orchestrated and thought through and actually led by a complete volunteer team, by your skills and the gifts that you put on the table, everything that happened, happened, and it was remarkable. Don't you find it interesting that that following week, some of you, actually all of you, that helped facilitate that, face some of the most remarkable challenges, some of them incredibly painful to hear about. It doesn't actually surprise me. I'm not trying to look or seek out the enemy or resistance or be that person who looks for a demon under every stone, but we have to know that we are and we will be resisted. And if he can't destroy you, he's going to try and distract you. In the journey of planting this church, I would say for us personally, but I've also seen it over many of you, it has been relentless. Things have happened with health, with circumstances, with kids' health. The many, many things like the AA guy where he uses the language, this doesn't make sense. Stuff that just seems foggy or it seems a bit odd. And I, I don't want to over-dramatize it. I don't want to make it more than it is but I've often pondered why for us personally and for the kids but also as a, as a church sometimes we just seem to get absolutely hammered I don't often see that on the same level locally or nationally and I have seen it in a few places but it's not the overall narrative it's a it's a bit but man alive sometimes 
we have just been hammered and I've often grappled with why. And I read this over Christmas. I found it so helpful. One of my spiritual heroes who I often turn turn to for advice and wisdom and I often lean into what they say. They said this, seeking social justice is spiritual warfare. Seeking social justice is spiritual warfare. Evil powers, authorities and institutions are committed to spreading injustice, oppression, hatred, bigotry, cruelty, tyranny, brutality and anything else that stands against the kingdom of God. People seeking kingdom justice should expect supernatural conflict. I often say it of conflict, but I'd say the same of spiritual warfare, that we should expect it, we should examine it, and we should endure it. One of the best things we will do is just to stand firm, to stand firm and be resilient. I am very stubborn. We are going nowhere, but we also have to know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and we have got a job to get on with. The clashes will often be relational, they'll often be circumstantial, they'll often be health, as we start to press into new things, we often see it when people start alpha or we do things like freedom in Christ. It's often resisted as we've done all that we've done with 422. There's no wonder we have rattled a cage. And these things often become something that we just learn to live with. Well, we could do that, but I want to say we shouldn't do that because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the more we've chased the breaking in of the presence of God, the more we've seen the breaking in of the presence of God. We've seen a lot. We've also seen some silly stuff that you could just explain away as life and, oh, that's just how it is. Sometimes it is. And we do have to hold the tension, but we have to acknowledge that there is a tension and carry a desire to hold that tension. Now, some of you will think I'm absolutely nuts. And that's okay. Because if I'm honest, sometimes I probably am. But I cannot unsee what I've seen. Honestly, I'm a fool for Christ. But I guess the question I want to ask you is, whose fool are you? Don't be a fool for anything else other than Christ. I'm willing to look foolish and sound foolish. As 1 Corinthians 1.18 said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for the destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. I've seen the timing of things like the windscreen wipers too many times. We have to be ready for some stuff. What is the stuff that you have to be ready for? I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to small group because it's just started to clash with the Spanish lessons that are now on the same night. What's the thing that's going to clash and collide? I'm just a bit tired and I can't really face people. Somebody said something to me and it hurt and it causes me to want to step back. I just feel a bit hurt and lost and let down. I was shamed by what they said. My boss now wants me to work every evening. My kids don't sleep and actually they don't settle at church. So, you know, I'm not saying all of it is, but honestly, a load of that for me sits in the kill and destroy bracket because that's what the enemy is about to do. It's aimed at killing, destroying, diluting and distracting. Our boiler broke a few months back and they've been out over six times to fix it and it still isn't fixed. Is there a demon in our boiler? (laughs) 
some of you are scared to answer. I'd actually be surprised if there is a demon in our boiler, because other than slapping oil on it, I've pretty much tried everything. And I've certainly had some words with it, but it's the distraction. It's the time robbing. It's the gradual wearing down. If you're not aware that stuff will come, you don't stand firm, and you get taken out of the knees. I expect it, I examine it, and I endure it. I'm going nowhere. Re re resilience is a huge part of discipleship. I don't want to kill the windscreen wiper analogy, but you've got to keep the dirt off the screen. As we go into this new year, you need to see clearly. Bird poo takes a heck of a lot of screen wash to get off your windscreen. That's my top tip for the day. But you've got to make sure you top up the screen wash. Make sure you invest in discipleship in relationships that disciple you and you disciple others in short accounts in worship in prayer in times together often and regularly forgive someone forgive people let it go it's robbing you it's not robbing them believe in someone again i'm going to keep believing in the unbelievable and i'm going to keep giving and having second chances for the no chances. And I'm going to keep having hope for the no hopers. And I'm going to keep trusting in the untrustable. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what he taught us to do. When we've got big problems or we've got little problems, when we've got any kind of problem, we take it to Jesus because he's the one. I don't know if they still do this, but in Formula One, they used to have these tear-off things on the, on the helmet, like seven or eight per race. It had a little tag. It was like a little film thing that after a number of laps when the dirt and the grime had built up and they started to have blurred vision, they'd just rip off the next layer to have clear vision again every 10 laps or so. You've got to have your tear-offs in place. Don't let the grime build up. Don't let the unforgiveness, the unrepentance, the, the bitterness, the frustration, the isolation, the pride, whatever it is, don't let it build up. You've got to get it off your screen and your field of vision. And if you don't, it's going to limit what God has for you and it's going to limit what God has for us because you're supposed to be part of it and it's going to distract and dilute all that he's called you to invest in. We've got to be immovable and have a refusal to accept, oh, that's just the way it is. My marriage is it's kind of heading towards over. Well, what if it isn't? No hope of a relationship. Well, what if there is hope? A health concern that just will not shift. Well, what if it did shift? What if the thing that you have or the limitation that you've learned to live with came face to face with Jesus because that's where we need to put it. And the more we've gone at it and the more we've gone at it with that lens and that mentality, the more we've seen God do. Absolutely, we've seen pushback, a resistance, but we expect it, we examine it and we endure it and we continue to press in for kingdom breakthrough the point of our lives is not to get smart and rich or even be happy the point of our lives is to discover God's purposes for us to make them our own and to learn to love God above all else to love our neighbor as ourselves, and then love and learn to align that love to seek first the kingdom of God above all else refusing to get diluted in our love for the church have you noticed your love for the church sometimes gets diluted 
It's a classic textbook trick of the enemy. If this is the bride of Christ, when you turn your back on the church, you turn your back on Christ's bride. You may have been disappointed or even hurt by someone else, but that's no excuse to give up on the church because a follower of Jesus will never thrive apart from the local church. So you can bet. Not that we bet, but you can almost guarantee that the enemy will try and rob and dilute it. Many times, Steph and I have had to lick the wound, heal the wound, seek out forgiveness and repentance and go again because we want to destroy the works of the devil rather than ourselves be destroyed and diluted. Don't get taken out. The best way to become whole is to help others. You know, a direct path to healing and ministry is actually just reaching out to the needy. It's reaching out to others. We get well by helping others get well. So often we get caught in the trap of thinking, here's what I need. I want to say, actually, go and give what you have and see that increase and multiply because potential is only potential if it's not used. I kind of want to frame that slightly around the fact that I want to speak about investing over the next few weeks, this week particularly investing with vision because we have to invest and we have to have vision to invest. We're going to love Jesus. We're going to love this city. We're going to plant some small groups. Ultimately, we're going to see some churches planted and we're going to keep making space for others, reaching out to those that don't know Jesus and serving the needs of the people that we find along the way. My question to you today would be this. What's your role in that? And I want to say come and invest and come and deposit what the Lord has given you that makes us a body. Take your place and play your part. What are you investing and who are you investing in? And this is the angle I want to take with this today. I think where it often goes wrong or we hold back is when we compare ourselves with and to others. And we need to be people that start to realize more and more that actually the pay's the same, but often we don't realize it or we don't live like it. Let me just read to you from Matthew 20, starting in verse 1, and it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them that he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town and saw some more people standing around and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. 
I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. It isn't against the law for me to do what I want with my money. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those that are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Jesus illustrated the truth that the last will be first and the first will be last by telling the disciples a parable of the workers in the vineyard. I think actually the storyline is, is really quite straightforward. The workers who were hired first and worked longer than the rest complained about those who were hired last. And the workers hired at the 11th hour only had to work one hour to get the same pay. The application is actually really quite easy and probably even easier if you put it in the context of yesterday's football where a number of you are crying, it's just not fair. Was it a goal? Wasn't it a goal? And the pain of the unfairness robs us of the way of the kingdom. They got to do that. I didn't. They don't do that. I have to. I've been around for ages. How come they got to do that? I didn't know about that. Nobody told me. I've been here longer. You haven't. I think this parable speaks into all of that. This parable may as well also be called the don't scroll through Instagram and compare your life to somebody else's parable. Have you ever done that? What jumps out is God's grace is surprising. It surpasses our normal expectations or barriers or framework for understanding. Normally, a story that's all about people not getting what they deserve kind of jars with us. It's not fair. Well, that's kind of exactly the point because it's not about fairness. It's about God's grace and the salvation we find and come to know and experience actually isn't fair. He does what we couldn't expect according to to the thing that we could never earn. God doesn't owe us salvation for the thing that we've done. He gives us salvation despite everything we've done. It's a free gift of divine mercy. God owes us nothing and yet gives us everything. It's surprising. And it's not just surprising, it's sovereign. God is under no obligation to extend his forgiveness to us and that's the good news because we're actually unable to save ourselves and God is wonderfully surprising and gloriously sovereign and here's the point really that I want to make we've already got way more than we deserve and our vision should be with that understanding not to limit anyone else because we have to stop making it about us it's not my time It's really not. Oh, it's my time. It's not my time. Often we limit others because we grapple with what's ours. I'm due the pay. They haven't done anything to deserve or to earn that. Well, nor have we, because it's all surprising and sovereign grace. But I've been in this church for three years. It's somebody else's turn to do the hard work. I've thought that many times. I'm... (laughs) But I'm not sure it is. Nobody ever said it would be easy. If you want to be first, be last and be the servant. I've only been here a few weeks. I can't get involved yet. Well, I'm not sure you need to wait or to see yourself on the edge of something. 
but I'm the only one who can do that. Well, I'm not sure that's true either. Because often we want to make things depend on us and be centered around us, and it gives us some kind of sense of security or identity, both of which should be coming from the Father and not from things anywhere. And I don't say any of this to be little or to, to undermine the things you're doing, but we have to call out in ourselves our motives and the behavior that can go off track if we don't center it around Jesus. But they don't have the experience or the knowledge that I do. Well, sometimes that can really get in the way because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. That's actually a really uncomfortable read, isn't it? Matthew 20, verse 3, at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Sometimes the Lord puts people to work from a standing start. Did you see that in that passage? They were standing around doing nothing. You know, when, whenever it becomes about gifting or about us, we're kind of in a dangerous place because it needs to be about a reliance on the overflow of him and it's all about him who gets to use us in the way that he wants. Jesus believes in the unbelievable. We don't get to use the I'm not and I can't excuse because it's never about ability. It's always about availability. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call and he's trying to draw you in. If we're going to be all that we believe God is calling us to be and to do as a church, we need you to see that and realize that he's calling you and calling us to invest. I was hearing a story this week of a guy in a vineyard who said, I'm going to start a business with the sole basis and reasoning to invest as much money as I possibly can in the local church. In a year, he'd gathered and given hundreds of thousand pounds to sow into the kingdom. I want to ask you, what's in your hand? What are you investing? What soil has he put in your life that you can invest in and embed yourself in? What work relationships do you have that aren't just there to pay the bills? They're people that Jesus has put you around to put and to place a deposit in. I don't try and convince you to join a small group just so that you've got something to do on a Wednesday and Thursday nights so that you've got another place to go where they could put the heating on and you don't have to. But I try and convince you to go to something like that because I think the way of Jesus is the way of discipleship and the way of discipleship is walking life and faith out alongside others who mold us and shape us and we invest in them and they invest in us and as we do the father takes our deposit and he causes it to grow and bear fruit beyond anything that we thought was possible have you ever thought about what you've settled for I read a really powerful story this week where a young boy was walking down a country lane and he's got attached to a little piece of rope. It's attached to a ring and the ring is through the nose of a bull. And this bull is massive and the little boy is tiny. Like the bull's like the size of a garden shed and he's controlling it just with a flimsy bit of string attached to a ring through its nose. And anyway, this bull is blissfully unaware 
of its power, and it's just following this young lad. And I guess the backstory is this, that often farmers train bulls by attaching rings through their noses and from a very young age tying them to a post so that when the bull gets older, it's just got used to not escaping and being fairly compliant. It's become so compliant that it doesn't even know it can break free, which means on this particular occasion with this little boy, this giant of a beast is being controlled by a young lad without realizing it can escape. Now, tragically, I think many of us live like that. I just want to widen this out for a moment. You can be free. The addiction, the pornography, the lust, the comparison, the body image, the anger, the self-loathing, the laziness, the bitterness, the thought patterns that spiral, the trappings of culture, whatever it is that has got you tied to the post with the ring through your nose doesn't need to be so. Romans 6 verse 17 puts it like this. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching that we've given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature and using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. But now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. You have been set free from sin because of Jesus. But so many live in the experience of being enslaved by sin that they don't even know or fully realize Jesus can set them free. Step one is you have been set free. If, if you don't know that, you're never gonna take step two. Step two is kind of the other side of the coin, not just freed from, but freed for. You see, you aren't just freed from the slavery of sin, you're actually to become a slave to righteousness. Allegiance isn't removed, it's just transferred. Verse 18, now you are free from slavery to sin, you have become slaves to righteous living. There's, there's no neutral. There's no like, oh, how's it? It's like there isn't a middle ground. We have to just keep reminding ourselves of the truth of where we now are serving. We're serving Jesus. We're depositing and investing in his kingdom. We recognize who we are. We're recipients of grace, which is totally surprising, overwhelming, and undeserved. And we realize what's happened, transformation through the power of the cross, and then we go and live out the mandate that he's put on our lives. All I ever do is take a step further in, and all it ever does is cost me everything that I've gained to date. But we go again, and we go again, and we go again. Because we're just a fool for Christ. Philippians 1 verse 20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me... To live means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Living is investing. We've got to have a vision 
to invest. Don't just roll on as it was or as it's always been. You've got to, don't get taken out by that windscreen wiper stuff. I can do more fruitful work for Christ. That's a Monday. I want to say today, go again, go again, go again. Because the pay's the same. Don't get caught in the, in the jealous thing. Don't get caught in that, well, that was meant to be mine. Or the, that's how we used to do it. Or I know best and I know the right way. Don't get taken out by the pain. Oh, I've given so much and no one noticed. Or I've done this and it didn't bear fruit. Or don't get burnt out or hurt. Don't get taken out by the health thing or the circumstance thing. Or don't end up getting isolated. Whatever the thing is that you're facing, just don't get taken out by it. I'm not trying to belittle that or limit the fact that you've had hurt or pain, but the more, I just want to give you that picture that sticks in your mind because honestly, sometimes the bird poo really does stick on the windscreen and you've got to work fairly hard to get it off and it can be messy. But goodness me, get it off because if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Come and be alive and come and be fully alive. Matthew 20, verse 14. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? The kingdom is all about releasing and letting others in and investing. We only really get it to give it away. Verse 16, verse 16, so those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. What a joy it is to start to find ways to come last. Coming last is a, is a fruit and a value of the kingdom. Don't give me the best job. Give me the job that no one else wants, because that's where I'm going to see the kingdom breaking in. If I see somebody being humiliated or belittled, how can I grab it so that they don't have to have it? How can I fall on the sword so that someone else doesn't have to? And I'm not talking about being a mug. I'm not talking about being holier than thou, but I'm talking about as increasingly starting to look and become and live more and more like Jesus, investing our lives, our time, our talents, our hopes, our dreams, our wants, our desires, the things that we hold precious and have front and center and saying, I don't want or need any of that. I just want what you want in the way that you want it. And I want to live like you and I want to invest in your kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust, rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal, store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desire of your heart will also be. I know he's talking about money, but I just want to talk about investing. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Some of you, many of you will have had enough already to hang your coat on this morning. But for some of you, can I just go one paragraph further? I've always thought, I don't just want to settle for what is. God has called us to this church in this time, in this city, with you. And that isn't by accident. And if it's worth going halfway, surely it's worth going the whole way.
So we're called to this and no windscreen wiper will cause us to let up. If we're called to be a vineyard church in this city, and I'm not trying to in any way say we're better or we're the best, we aren't and we really won't be and we're not trying to be. But we do need to be what we're supposed to be because that is what God has called us to be. So for some of you in this next stage of investing, it's going to be really understanding who we are. Vision and values is crucial to the formation of culture and infrastructure and to the raising and releasing of leaders and formation. And my challenge to you is this, read all you can and learn all you can as quick as you can to allow the development of the growth that is currently unfolding because we're just at the start but don't underestimate the part that you're being asked to play and invest for this next season because we invest and we invest with vision because that's what and how the Lord blesses and grows the kingdom. Why don't we stand together? We're just going to spend some time resting in his presence now. So if you're comfortable doing so, why don't you close your eyes? Sometimes when we open our hands too, it's just a, an outward sign of an inward desire to be open to what the Spirit is doing. I don't want to be prescriptive with that, but sometimes it can be really helpful. So we just wait on you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're already here, but we welcome you to come more and to go deeper. I pray that in this room there'll be a collective invitation in our hearts to your presence. That in our hearts now we'll all be saying and echoing, come Holy Spirit. None of this will change or take root or have an impact on us if it's not by the power of the Spirit. If you're new or visiting, you might be wondering, why are we standing in silence? Why is nothing happening? It's because we love to just wait. We love to wait on the Holy Spirit. We don't want to add humanness or our own agenda to what he wants to do. So we give him space. And it's often the case that the longer we wait, the more we see him do. It's not a formula, but it's, it's often the case. see the Holy Spirit resting on a, on a number of you in the room.
And I think there are probably a few specific things that um, the, the Holy Spirit wants to do among us this morning. And we're going to share some of those, those senses and those thoughts that we have. Um, but we never want to squash what he's doing. Um, we can never fully comprehend what he wants to do. So we're open to whatever he wants to do. I shared this morning right at the beginning that um, there was a sense that God may want to bring physical healing in a number of ways this morning. So if any of you have a word of knowledge, um, the sense was also that it might be that there may be people in the room who wouldn't ordinarily say that they get words of knowledge or hear from God in that way, but you might feel that something's been impressed upon you this morning, that there's a, there's a sense of some sort of healing that um, God wants to to bring and I'd love to invite you to come and speak to Hettel if um if that is you she's going to stand at the side and you can just share those those words with her there's a few others I want to share so words of knowledge for healing tennis elbow in the right arm um, a skin condition where a person has patches um, on their skin and a heart condition uh, where one of the valves doesn't work properly I think it's sort of pumping out of sync I, I, I sense the um, the picture of the bull is quite powerful for some of you. You've been living with things that need to break and the realisation of the power of Jesus upon you. I think some of you have um, just carry like a, this is a made up phrase, but it's like investment guilt. You just feel guilty about it. You're not good enough or you're not, don't fit you don't know how to do it or you want to but circumstances don't allow it. I just think it's all little tricks of the enemy I'd love to see that break off you there'll be a number of other things and ways the Lord has spoken and stirred us this morning but we'd love to make space and time to respond someone also shared with me this morning that they had a sense that there may be people here who are sort of experiencing deferred promises so there's things that that you feel that the Lord has has promised you and um they've not been fulfilled not yet and you're in that place of waiting um and that waiting can be hard but the Holy Spirit the Lord wants to meet you in that waiting so why don't you respond if there's anything that you'd like to receive prayer about why don't you come out to the front now and we'll make sure that that people who are who are in small groups in the life of the church will come and pray for you I just encourage us, don't step out of what the Lord's doing. I think it's so easy just to to move on and to, to start a conversation. But you can see the, the gentleness and the sensitivity to the Spirit of God all across the room. And I just encourage you to stay in that. That's the moment we're going to prioritise for the next little while.
We love to see him shapers and molders and transformers through the power of the Spirit. And if you're contemplating coming forward for prayer, um, please don't hesitate. This time is for you. There's been a few people that have come up to share some words. Um, so one person got the sense from the Lord that um, someone's going to be healed from headaches that are usually in the front of the head and kind of go along to the right-hand side. Um, someone um, to be healed of left-sided sort of chest pain. And someone's right kneecap that's bothering them that is going to be healed as well. Um, and one other person had a sense that the Lord wanted to start to speak to people through dreams. Um, so that might be something that the Holy Spirit is depositing in you today. So just be expectant. In, the, in these moments before we dash on with the rest of the day, it's just worth being sensitive to the to the wider room. You can just see the Lord ministering to people. If you're in a small group, I'd encourage you to have your eyes out for others in these moments. There's such powerful moments of the Lord moving among us. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.